0: good morning my name is Brandon uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter one this morning if you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles Romans chapter one feel free to get up and grab one we have Bibles kind of all around the room the different communion tables um, it's on page 782 uh, if you grabbed one of those Bibles on your way in this morning 782 Romans chapter one I'd love for you to read along with us this morning if you don't have a Bible do you guys have a good weekend so far do anything fun Greg Jody how'd the hike go Went well. Greg and Jody are leading a grow class. It's called Ethos Outdoors for the summer. They're just kind of arranging, uh, organizing a group of people from Ethos that want to go hiking and camping. And if you're interested, you can go talk to them. But they kind of led their first one this weekend. I was thinking about you guys. Excited for y'all. Um, happy Father's Day. Those of you guys who are fathers, it's a, it's a very big deal that God has entrusted those of your fathers to, to, uh, with children. And my wife sent me this um, email after Mother's Day, and I wish I would have been aware of this kind of before Mother's Day, um, but I can't go back in time. Um, but I just want to say this, that I know that for some of you, Father's Day is a very hard day. Like, you come in this place and, um, man, you, you, you want to be a father so bad, or your, your dad died, or you just have an earthly father that's just very crummy. And I just want to acknowledge that so many times we, we come in here this morning, and, and what you're feeling about Father's Day is how about so many of us feel about faith, that, Some of you come in this place and you have great experiences with God and you're locked in with God and so many people come in this place and you feel like you've just been hurt. And we just want you to know that you're safe here, you're welcome here. And it's why Jesus is such a big deal. Um, because he promises that resurrection is, is coming. Those of you who lost your fathers, that, that there's hope, that, that in Jesus, that, that we will meet our Heavenly Father one day who has never left us in the midst of all of our heartaches and all of our struggles, that we'll stand face-to-face with with our Abba who, who, who's never abandoned us, who never hurt us, who never wounded us. And so, um, happy Father's Day. Um, and, and hope today isn't a day of despair, but it's a day that just kind of arises some hope in you as you think about the goodness of who our Father in Heaven is. Um, I really love you guys so much. It is, it is a joy uh, and an honor to get to preach. And uh, I just look forward to it. It's one of my highlights of the week, um, getting to be with you on Sunday mornings. And I don't know what your story is. I don't know what brought, what God brought you here this morning, but I think he has something really special for us. And so if you feel comfortable, grab the hand of the person next to you. Um, if you don't, that's totally okay. Uh, and uh, But just kind of showing to the Lord that we're in this together and... Father in heaven, you're so unbelievably good to us and patient and kind. You've been so good and, and patient and kind to me. and I don't know where I'd be without you, Father. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus. I thank you for the hope that we have in him because of him. We thank you that he is not a dead philosophy, but he is the living Lord. Um, the angels are bowing down and worshiping to him even as we speak. We look forward to the day we get to see you face to face, Lord Jesus. I thank you for these men and women, these sweet children. God, I pray that you will create such a place this morning that no matter where we are, we feel safe, that we feel um, comfortable to hear from you, to hear about you. I pray you'll protect us from the enemy. I pray that you would speak directly into our hearts and that the things that you're speaking to us, we will not be able to deny your, your realness, your work. And there's no way that I can communicate into all the situations in the hearts. I'm not even gonna try, really, God. I just, uh, I'm asking that you would do the work that only you can, that you would um, personalize and help this to just come alive to us and who you are. We love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for today. In your name we pray, amen. This morning, we're going to be kind of honing in just on one verse in the Bible. And I love what this guy writes in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It's on page 782. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. This man says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentiles. Read that one more time. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is a power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jews and to the Gentiles. You guys are very intelligent. You know, you don't need me to kind of walk you through every little detail, every little word in this this sentence. Um, I trust that God is already at work in your life. If you're here, there's... uh, you're sitting in this place preparing to hear about Jesus, there's something going on in your spirit that is at least curious about the Son of God, that's at least curious about the, the mysterious nature of God and Him working around us. And, and, I, and I trust that God's gonna keep working on you even after we leave, and so as you go to lunch, as you go to work, as you go to school throughout the week, that, that although we're not together, that God's still working, pursuing your heart. And, so what I wanna do, I don't wanna just explain this verse in detail, I just wanna kind of point out a few things that give us a little insight into what's going on, um, both in the guy who's writing this and in the context of what's going on. And so I'll, I'll say this kind of real quick, the guy who is, who is writing this letter, writing the book of Romans is just incredibly brilliant. Um, he is so sharp, I mean, he is so bright. Just think about the smartest person in your chemistry class or the valedictorian in your graduating class, there's probably some of you here today, and, and, and this is a guy, his name's Paul, and you just picture him sitting down late at night at his kitchen table and he's, he's thinking about this little group of Christians that are gathered in this city 2,000 years ago in the city of Rome. And he sits down and, he, and he's writing this letter to him and he is so, so brilliant. We get insight into his brilliance in Philippians chapter 3 where he, he literally kind of says this. He says, in regards to the law, I was a Pharisee. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. And you hear that and you're like, man, that's just a bunch of language that we don't use anymore. What are you trying to say, Brandon? That doesn't mean a whole lot to us, but here's what he was saying. He said, I knew and I kept the Old Testament and its laws perfectly. So maybe you know, you know a little bit about the Bible. Maybe you don't. It's, uh, it's cool either way. From uh, The very first book in the Bible is Genesis. The very first la- book in the Old Testament is a book of Malachi. It's about 1,000 pages in my Bible. You think about this, that this guy knew. He memorized. He had 1,000 pages in the Scripture essentially tucked away in his mind and his heart. This is a, a different kind of brilliance, right? We pat ourselves on the back for, for memorizing a couple verses. This guy is, takes it to a whole new level. You read about this in the end of Romans where he's just sitting down kind of freehand writing it and he is quoting all these different passages all throughout the Old Testament and he is just a, a different kind of brilliant. He's a different kind of smart. There's a different kind of wisdom that rests in his heart. And Paul is writing to this group of people in the, literally the, the largest metropolitan city of the day is Rome. One commentator says this. He says the very center, this is Rome, it's the very center of human power and pomp and presumptuousness. It was a crossroads of worldly wealth and wisdom and sophistication. And the reason I mentioned these things this morning about Paul and who he's writing to is, I want you to think about this with me for a minute. Have you you ever noticed how hard it is just to talk about Jesus in Nashville? You ever felt that? No, you guys are all looking at me like, you're a terrible Christian, I've never struggled with that. Like, I know your hearts. (laughs) Guys, we live in the the belt buckle, of the Bible belt. You know, there are literally 800 different churches in Nashville alone. That's bigger than some of the hometowns you grew up in. In a city where there are several hundred thousand people who claim Jesus as Savior and Lord. And have you ever found it hard to really stand with Jesus? You ever found yourself talking to coworkers and you're really comfortable talking about God But there's just something in you that's scared to talk about jesus his name specifically you ever found yourself being embarrassed maybe because your boss your professor your neighbors your family thinks it's foolish to believe thinks it's offensive so you kind of find yourself shying away from talking of jesus i felt this the other day i'm up at centennial hospital going to the dermatologist my granddad died of skin cancer when he when i was three not when he was three when i was three and and i'm trying to be responsible and go to the doctor and i this older gentleman walks in elevators we're going on the way up and he looks at me and he says how are you doing today and i said great and he said how come and instantly my stomach tightens like and, and i start to get nervous about what this random dude that i'm probably never going to see again i start to get nervous what he's going to think about me when i tell him the truth because the reality is, the, the reason I was having such a great day on Tuesday is because Brooks and I, the guys interned with me this summer, we had just spent a couple hours just reading and praying, confessing sin, and we were just so encouraged, so drawn near to by the, the presence of God, and so I'm sitting there thinking to this guy, how am I going to answer this? I'm going to tell him because I had a good breakfast, like, how am I, am I going to lie to him? i going to tell him the truth, and so I just look at him, and I said, man, it's, the, the Lord is good, like. Jesus is real. And he said, oh, thank goodness. I'm so glad you said that. He said, Cause I just had some a Bible study with some of my friends and I was nervous to tell you. And I'm like, oh yeah, like, have you, have you, have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? I think it's easy to pick up the scripture sometimes I do this so often when I'm going to bed, I'll be laying on a pillow, I'll pull up my phone and I'll read a passage of scripture like this. I'm, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation. And I'll read it and, and I'll th- say things like this. Of course, Paul says this, <laughs> he loves Jesus. And then I fall asleep and I miss the context and the power of what he's really saying. So here's Paul, this brilliant man, and he's speaking into a culture, speaking Jesus even though the religious heritage that he grew up in, the people that he'd been educated with, the coworkers that he formerly had all think he's foolish. And here he is making it known. I am I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Have you ever noticed how sometimes we find ourselves in circles? We were so confident to speak of Jesus. Oh, it's so easy to talk of Jesus with our house churches it's easy to talk about jesus with our closest friends have you ever, ever noticed how so often we find ourselves in other contexts and other circles and we find ourselves being timid that's so often our education level that so often our context in which we find ourselves they create in us this shyness in regards to what we believe about jesus we don't want to look stupid we don't want to look ignorant We don't want to be awkward. We don't want to create this relational strain talking about Jesus at the family Memorial Day get-together. We don't want to come off as intolerant. And I realize that all these things have been true of me. There have been moments where I've been ashamed. I've been afraid to speak of Jesus because of the relational strain. I've been afraid of what people would think about me. And and I'm ashamed that that's how I felt. And I go, how in the world can, can Paul write this? How can he say this? I want to suggest a couple of reasons why, but before I do, I want to just explain this word gospel real quick. The word gospel, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It it, it means good news. It's what Jesus spoke about. It's what Paul talks about. It's what the, the New Testament just bleeds with, this idea of good news. And The reason the good news is good news is because it's about what Jesus has done for us. It's not about what we've done for him. You see, the gospel is this idea that, that God has come near to us through the man, Jesus Christ. That in the man Jesus, he has become knowable. He has become touchable. This is what John 1 says. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's saying that, that Jesus is God. He was with God from the very beginning. Or Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, where Paul says, the Son is the image of the invisible God. He says, you want to know what the Father is like? You want to know what God, this mysterious being, is like? You just have to look at Jesus. Or I love what John, or 1 John 1 says. John, the apostle of Jesus. He, he, he says, that which was from the beginning which we have looked at, which we have touched, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have beheld. He is the Son of God. He is God incarnate. And the the good news is that God has come near to us through Jesus, that he has become knowable, that he has become seeable, that he has become touchable. And that through his death on the cross, through his resurrection from the dead, that when anyone believes in this Jesus, you're saved. This is good news because when this truth grabs our hearts, that God loves you so much, Amy. Adam, that God loves you so much. Jesse, that God loves you so much. Allison, that God loves you so much. Lincoln, that God loves you so much that he would send Jesus to die for us, to fully pay for our sins. And he sent Jesus not just to be laid in a tomb, but he sent Jesus to come out of the tomb to live a new life, to live a different life, to live a fresh life so that you and I, when we look to this Jesus, we live a new life, a different life, a fresh life. Christianity is not about what we can do for God. Have you ever gone one day living a life fully pleasing to God? Carly, how many days in a row have you lived a life that's fully pleasing to God, right? We can't go one day, much less our entire life, pleasing God. The things we say, the things that we do, it is a constant reminder that we can't by ourselves. That's why the gospel is so important. It's why it's so central to everything that we do, to everything that we are. It's why we are a Jesus-believing, Jesus-worshipping, Jesus-following church. Because he came to be our substitute. And he came to live in us and to live with us, to live through us, to empower us through the Holy Spirit, to live lives that please God. And Paul looks at us and he says... I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. And I want to suggest a couple of reasons why Paul can say this. Reflection and relationship. I want to suggest the reason Paul can can say I'm not ashamed of the gospel is because of reflection and relationship. I want to unpack those a little bit for us. You think about reflection, it's, it's thinking back on your life. Acts chapter 8 and 9, I encourage you, if if you don't know who Paul is, I encourage you to go back and and read this story. You can take home a Bible if you don't have it and and read this, Acts chapter 8 and 9, that that the grace of Jesus Christ absolutely changed Paul's life. You see, it was in the middle of a lifestyle of sin, standing against Jesus, working against Jesus. It was in the midst of that lifestyle, that pursuit, that he came to understand the, the realness of Jesus. You see, as Paul was thinking back on his very real life, he understood that despite all the terrible things that he had done to Jesus, all the hard stances that he had made against Jesus, he realized that Jesus not only didn't give up on him, but Jesus wanted him and his family. He wanted him to have his name. He wanted to know him, to represent him. Think about Jesus in your life? I think deeply, Drew. Trevor, think deeply about Jesus in your life, how he has revealed himself to you, Andrew. How have you, Nathan, come to understand the realness of Jesus? Jeremy, think about the ways that he's drawn near to you. Think about the words that he has spoken to you, the people that he has used in your life, Austin, to point you to him. Think about the pursuit of Jesus, of your life and your heart, And some of you have the sense right now that the enemy is trying to discredit. He's trying to make you doubt. He's trying to make you question when Jesus was drawing you to himself. And I go, if you're sitting here doubting, if you're sitting here forgetful, if you're sitting here worrying, man, I go, of of course the enemy's trying to discredit. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. This is what Jesus says about it. And of course, when the people of God gather, he's, he's trying to infiltrate our thinking and, and, and disrupt our, 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 the connection that we have with the past and the ways that God has pursued us. I think for in particular, some of you are wrestling right now with, your, with, with baptism. And if you think about your pursuit of God, you're thinking about that moment where you gave your life to him and he's trying to convince you that it was an emotional reaction. It was for the wrong reason. It wasn't really Jesus. And I go, man, the fact that whenever that was two or three or ten years ago, the fact that you would realize your need of forgiveness, the fact that you would realize your willingness to be with Jesus, it proves that Jesus was drawing you near to him. And just because you're in a low point in your faith, just because you're in a low point in your relationship with the Lord, it doesn't take away from the fact that Jesus Christ has drawn near to you and that he's drawing you near to him. If you're a a Christian and you're here today, man, reflect on his pursuit of you. Let me ask you, why are you a follower of Jesus? Dale, why are you a follower of Jesus? Did he meet you in your sorrow? Did you try everything the world had to offer and you realize that it still left you wanting? Did you grow up in church did you see Jesus in your parents or in your best friend or in your professor? Did you see the Jesus in the scriptures or in your youth minister and you saw something about their life and you realized you wanted that Jesus? I think Paul can say this because he's, as he looked back on his life and his experiences, it's undeniable, the work of Jesus in his life. I think about the, the work of Jesus in my life. When my son Jones was born, the realness of Jesus speaking into my life. I'd love to, to sit down and coffee and share that story with you if you haven't heard it. Or in the hardships my parents went through in their divorce, I, I experienced the comfort of the Lord Jesus. Where I've witnessed him heal the sick. Or recently in this season of my life, I've been wrestling with this, that middle school and high school and kind of the peak of my rebellion and running from God, that God never gave up on me, that he was working in all of my rebellion and all of my running and all of my sin. And I look and I I think about those days where I'm I'm struggling to believe, I'm struggling to to really take hold of Jesus and I realize, no, the things that I've experienced, they're real, it's Jesus. I think deeply about the way that Jesus has pursued you, the, the people and the paths that he's put you on. I was having coffee last week with one of my friends and he just recently moved to a new city and he was back in town and he said, man, he said, I was so hoping I would run into you. He said, I want to tell you about what God's been doing in my life. And I'm like, okay. I, like, I can't be right now, but later this week. And so we, we met up and, and, and we were just sitting down having coffee. And he starts to tell me about the, the pursuit of God in his life. Here's my friend. He was this amazing part of our church for a long time. House church leader. Servant. And he started to just run away from God. Literally just hardened his heart, just started running from God. Didn't feel it, didn't believe it, just started running. He started to tell me, he said, I got to the point, he said, literally, I was working this job and and my boss, you know, someone would sneeze and and say, God bless you. And I was to the point where I'd say, man, God's not real. He doesn't exist. It's like, I was so far from God. He said, "I'm, I'm moving to this different city. And I just throw it out there on Facebook, hey, if anyone has a place to live, someone can put me up for a few days until I get my uh, feet under me, that'd be super helpful. And he said that the only person to respond was this person that a couple years ago he'd had a falling out with. He said, literally, this person that I had mistreated that, he said, they're the only person to reach out to me and say, hey, you can come stay at my house. And he said, that spoke to me. Here was this Christian that even though I'd hurt them and wounded them, they invited me into their home. He said, so I'm, I'm driving down to, to where I'm living with my dad and he said, my dad's just this amazing spiritual man and he'd been hounding me. Hey, you need to come back to church. You need to get back to church. You need to go back. And, and he said, dad, I've noticed that the past few months you haven't been speaking to me. You haven't been encouraging me to get back to church. What's going on there? And, he, and his dad just looks at him and he says, son, the, the Holy Spirit told me that I needed to let you go because he had you. And I needed to quit hounding you that he had you. And he's like, that's strange, okay. So he shows up at this person's house and they're sitting in the kitchen talking and to the, the mom of this girl and he, he starts to connect the dots. He's like, oh yeah, I've realized that. I've, I've met you before. A couple years ago, we were at Ethos and we took communion together. And he said, that was kind of the, the point where I started to spiral down. And she said, I know. I've literally been praying for you every day for the past two years. And he said, oh my goodness, like, I'm driving to work a couple months later and he said I can't explain it Brandon he said but God just wrecked my heart he said I'm not an emotional dude he said but I'm sitting there in my car and I'm just losing it you know and I realized that it's God That as much as I've been running, that as much as I've been hardening my heart and and, and trying to to discredit and to disprove, he said, I'm sitting there and and I can't, it's undeniable that that God has been working in the midst of my rebellion, in the midst of my running. He says, what do I need to do? I said, do you believe in Jesus? He said, I really do believe in Jesus. I said, then you gotta be all in. (laughs) No one foot in, one foot out. I'm like, you you, you gotta be all for him. This, This God who's been all for you, you've gotta be all for him. I want to suggest that that so often our issue is that we just so easily forget. We live in a culture that is instant. And when God doesn't fit that mold and instantly answer a prayer, instantly draw near to him, we are so spiritually bipolar. God, where are you? You must not be real. You must not be hearing me. I'm done. Reflect. Be reminded of the realness and the pursuit of Jesus Christ of your heart. And praise him. I wanna suggest that the the second reason that Paul can, can say this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, is because of relationship. Because of relationship. As you think about the goodness, the realness of Jesus and how you've experienced him, some of you maybe think about this past Monday night, the women's worship night, where God just unlocked your heart again where you were reminded of his nearness? Or maybe you experienced him when you went hiking this weekend, riding your bike. Maybe you experienced him when you were in the scriptures, when you were praying on the car ride home, or when you were praying beside your bed on your knees right before you went to sleep. And isn't it true for those of us who follow Jesus, man, when we are locked in with Jesus, there's no better place to be, amen? Paul knew Jesus. Paul knew Jesus. Jackson, you know Jesus. Jeremy, you know Jesus. Jonathan, Andre, you know Jesus. Andrew, you know Jesus. Amos and Anne, you know Jesus. And his relationship that we see in the scriptures with, with Jesus was, was real and dynamic that Paul would pray and he would worship and he would delight in Jesus. And what you see in the scriptures is that Jesus really spoke to him, that Jesus really spoke to him through the Holy Spirit, that Jesus literally led him. A relationship with Jesus for Paul wasn't a formality. It wasn't just a part of his life. Jesus Christ is who he loved and who he lived for. And he wanted all people to know this Jesus. The Jesus who had changed his life with his grace and his persistence. Jesus who is real. I was talking to one of my friends earlier this week and he was talking to me about someone in his family that has just been running for a long time away from the Lord. My friend's sitting there in his, in his chair and, and he's telling me this and he, and, he just starts weeping. I've never seen tears this big fall out of someone's eyes. And he just looks at me and he says, Brandon, I I want him to know Jesus. And it's not about just him coming back to church and it's not about him just turning from sin. He said, I want him to, to know and experience Jesus. That there is a satisfaction, there is a joy, there is a life that you discover in Jesus that you do not find just coming to church and that you do not find just working a job. There is a joy in Jesus that is unlocked when you really come to him and believe. I think this is true. We will be ashamed of Jesus until we really believe the gospel. We will be ashamed of Jesus until we really believe that sin destroys and Jesus alone restores and saves. We will be one foot in, one foot out with Jesus. We will be bold in some circles and timid in others. We will have a tolerance for sin and in, our li- in our lives and in our friends' lives. So we'll start to say things, like, say things like this. Hey, it's not that bad that you're sleeping around with your girlfriend. It's not that bad that you're greedy. It's not that bad that you lie and gossip and cheat. When we see what sin is, that Romans 6 tells us that that sin leads to death. Not just a long time from now, but that sin right now, it, it hardens and destroys us. It hardens and destroys our friends and our family. sin. And isn't it true that it doesn't always feel like that? When you're messing around with your girlfriend, when you're selfishly living for pleasure and comfort and you pay no attention to those in need, whatever sin that we get caught up in, it feels good for a while. This is Dave's line. If sin isn't fun, you're probably not doing it right, right? It's always fun in the moment. It's always fun for a season. And this is where we are deceived by sin. The payoff of sin is never what it promises to be. The satisfaction, the joy that it promises, it cannot keep. And when you and I, when when we really understand that sin destroys us, we'll have no tolerance for it. Either in our lives or in those around us that we care about. And it's not that we're arrogant. It's not that we're judgmental. It's that we understand that that we don't want death and hardness and separation and all the other ramifications and effects that sin brings for us or for our friends. And here's what Paul knew. It's not that he just had an understanding of sin. He had an understanding of the Lord Jesus. That Jesus is good news, not just for some, but for all. I was reminded this week of the story in, in Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. If you never heard this, you can go back and read it. It's a beautiful story. It's the last little story in Luke chapter 15. If you never heard it, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. This son, his father's rich. He wants his inheritance, so he leaves the father's house. He's looking for worth. He's looking for significance. He's looking for pleasure. He's looking for fun, and he finds all those things for a season. until he realizes that the payout isn't what it promised to be. It says that he comes to his senses. He says, I'll, I'll go home. So he, he forms this, this monologue that he's gonna present to his father. And as he's walking back to the father's house that he knows he doesn't belong in, that he knows that he, he, he totally just took advantage of his father, that he, that he just slapped him in his face. He knows that the, the, the public ridicule that he brought on his family. And here this, this, this guy is with his head down and he's rehearsing his speech and he's, and he's walking home and, and as soon as he, he hits the driveway, says that his father comes running to him. And this is shameful in the Old Testament for a father to run. It says that his father's standing looking for him on the porch and he comes running for his son. And his his son, his, the son looks up and he sees his dad running, and, and he doesn't know what he's feeling, doesn't know what his dad's thinking. And all of a sudden he's embraced by the, the warmest hug from his father. And his father begins to take off the rags that he's wearing, and he calls his servants and he says, Put a robe on him, put the ring back on his finger, kill the cow, get him fillets on the grill. He says, We are throwing a party. My son, you were were lost and now you're home. You rebelled and you took advantage and you you hardened your heart, but the important thing is that you're home and I've missed you, my child. Guys, the reason Jesus Christ is such good news is because no matter why you've walked away from him, no matter what you've done, You are met by a God who stood waiting for you day after day patiently. A God who's been waiting to clothe you in Jesus Christ's righteousness, not your own, so that you would be fit to live in the kingdom of God. And Paul is not ashamed of Jesus because he knows the real Jesus. That sin destroys and that Jesus has come to forgive every sin and to restore and take back all the places that sin has destroyed and hardened. And Paul knows that Jesus stands waiting for us to come home. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of my Jesus. It is a power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. This is where I wanna to end today. Some of you find yourself here today and, and you've been running from Jesus. You all have different reasons, legitimate reasons. You come here and you're not a follower of Jesus and and, and you don't want to be associated with Christians. You don't want to be associated with the church because the church hurt you and your family. I'm so sorry. Some of you come here and you don't want to be all in with Jesus because you've been so outspoken against him. You don't want to be all in with Jesus because you you just don't want to come off as intolerant, as forceful, ignorant. And I just want to invite you to to Jesus. Will you you allow me to invite you to Jesus? Let me just encourage you. Don't let your past bad experiences with, with imperfect church people keep you from the truth of Jesus. Don't let your pride keep you from discovering Jesus. Don't let fear of what others will think keep you from relationship with Jesus, the relationship which you and I were made for. And so I invite you, if if you don't know Jesus, come to Jesus today. Let us help you reflect on the way that he's been working. Let us help you figure out what it means to start living in relationship with Jesus. We're gonna take communion here in just a minute. Chris and Callie and Bailey are gonna get back up and lead us and there are gonna be some men and women at the back of the respond van. I'll be back there if you wanna talk or pray, if you wanna give your life to Jesus, please come. Quit running, come home today. Quit running, come home today. For he is good. For those of you who are Christians, Let me encourage us to not be ashamed of Jesus. Let me encourage us to not be ashamed of Jesus. Paul says this in Romans 10. He says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can people call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? my family, my friends. We get the job of telling people about Jesus. He is real. He saves. He forgives sinners. Jesus heals. He comforts. Jesus speaks. We serve a multifaceted God. And He has not called us to be experts. He has not called us to have all the answers we were called to stand with him, to not be ashamed. So we're going to take communion here in just a minute. And I I encourage you, man, if if you're being convicted about how you've been ashamed of him in certain circles, man, just confess. Break the bread, drink the cup. You've been forgiven. Ask God to to fill you with a, a new love, a new boldness. And then as you encounter people this week at work, in class. At restaurants, on the sidewalks, speak of Jesus. Don't be ashamed. Why do you love Him? Tell people. Why do you believe in Him? Tell people. What has He done in your life? Tell people. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God that brings salvation to all people, and everyone who believes. Guys, it's not your job, it's not my job to make people believe. And it's not by your power that they'll come to believe. Our job is to love Jesus, to not be ashamed. And we trust that in our sharing, the power of God is working in their lives. And so maybe we get to be people that see fruit in those lives that we share the good news with. Or maybe our words, our standing with Jesus, our sharing of Jesus will be the jackhammer that begins to open their heart for someone else to share. I love you guys dearly. If you want to talk or pray, there'll be some people in the back. For the rest of us, let's take communion. I'll pray for us. God, I love you. You are so good. You're so worth just standing with and standing for. Invite your Holy Spirit to encourage us, to speak to us, to give us words, visions, thoughts for people in this room. Would Would you move? Would you speak? Would you just... Would you convict us where we we need to step into the light? Would you help us to not be fearful to stand with you, Jesus? Would you forgive us where we have not? You're such a patient and loving Savior. We love you. We invite you to to unleash on us whatever it is you have for us in this this next time together. In your precious name, your people pray together. Amen.